0: and welcome to another episode of Season of the Itch with Rowan Oaken. The show where we talk about rashes, pimples, and outbreaks. JK, it's still Season of the Witch. Please don't send me pictures of your rashes again. Do you know what, so many podcasts these days have got really jazzy intros. I don't have a jazzy intro. I want a jazzy intro. Jazzy intros aside, this week's episode we're going to be diving into the spring equinox. Quite excited about being able to talk about this. Ostara and the goddess's namesake, whilst thinking about what we can do as pagan practitioners at this time of year. Maybe you're not a pagan pagan practitioner. Maybe you're not a pagan practitioner. You're just someone who's interested. That's fine. Be interested. Come along. Listen. Join me at the end of the episode, where I will be dropping a cheeky bonus spell to balance your physical and mental health. Both of them, buy one get one free. You're welcome. So what in the what now has been happening these past few weeks? It's still getting warmer, which is really great. We're still in lockdown, uh, less great, but there, there's this feeling like there's hope on the horizon. And I'm very ready to sit in an English pub, sipping on a hoppy beer, Overlooking the rolling hills, that—that is what is getting me through all of this. It was International Women's Day this week. Hurrah! Why a day though? I say, why not have a month? I'd love to have a Women's Pride Month. Social media, though, um, is—do you know what? It's one of the worst places to be on a day like International Women's Day or, or Pride Day or you know Black History Month. You get the same argument all the freaking time all lives matter why isn't there an international men's day or a, or a straight pride month the hilarity is there are all these things you know mostly born from the fact that you know sad misogynistic homophobic uh, racists all just kind of felt butthurt um that they had to make these days up when actually the reason why those days exist is because the the world is a white pride day. <laughs> you know, white pride is constantly celebrated in movies, um, not as overtly, not with celebrations or big awards, but it's because the world has been set up in that colonialised way. Of course, all lives matter, but the problem is th- they don't. Ideology needs to be differentiated from reality. Of course, everyone should be equal, but not everyone is is. There was one post that I read which was, uh, it was along the lines of, it's International Women's Day, women unite, let's bring all men to their knees. This is where the argument gets really muddy and problematic for me. I'm I'm all for protest, I'm all for getting the word out, as much as something like um, the, the annual reminder at Philadelphia is this, you know, it was this beautifully peaceful protest. Um, sometimes though a riot like Stonewall is needed you know to be to be truly heard but it shouldn't be at the detriment of your allies going off on a on a wee little sidetrack here you know this this was something that I found really difficult in um in the craft movie (laughs) yeah we're going there I watched that recently the Craft Legacy brought out in 2020. Yeah, last year, last year. I was really looking forward to it. Even, even if the movie is a little shite, I love a good witchy movie. The movie felt like it was, it was kind of trying to be too, too woke at the detriment of plot and character. Who knew this was going to turn into a movie review, but it is. And I was excited to see that it was, I was excited that it was directed by a female director and starred a trans character played by a trans woman. The, the actual craft elements as well, they were sensitively approached and they seemed like, you know, they'd made some consultation, which they did in the first movie, which I really, really loved. Um, but the problem, the problem was the male characters in it. And I try and weigh up that part of me in my head, that's like, you know, oh, the whole, no, back down. It's not all about the Every Lives Matter argument. And of course they do, but this is their story. It's the, the female story. The feminist narrative in it was so two-dimensional that it made the women look like caricatures. There was not a single redeeming male figure in the story. The the jock-like character who has a, a spell pot on him, spoiler, ends up being gay. For him to be accepted into the story, he has to be demasculinized. I think I think we can have really strong female narratives without saying all men are bad. Do you know, there is a fantastic song by Rachel Bloom in the cast of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and the lyrics go something like, um, let's generalize about men. I'm not going to sing it. Let's take one bad thing about one man and apply it to all of them. The whole piece is a satire. This song is a satire, of course, but I think this is exactly what is happening here in this movie. And also, on social media sometimes. I spent years of my life oppressed by straight people when my mum was alive I couldn't marry my husband obviously it wasn't my husband then um, do I ever do I ever think a straight person sorry let me say that again do I think every straight person is a homophobe? No I think we need to be very careful with these ways of speaking. In our protest. Within our opposition lies our greatest allies. They are the ones working within the systems that we want to break, who can help bring about the biggest changes. We shouldn't shoot them down with those around them making the bad decisions. How did I even get into that? How did I get into talking about oppression, women, craft? Women's Day. International Women's Day. <laughs> Another little Rowan Tangent for you. Um, that's the one. So who am I celebrating this week for, you know, International Women's... It's International Women's Week for me. There we go. You get a week. You can have a month if you want. Um, some great women who have inspired me over the years. I would say Marina Abramovic, who I met in London about five or six years ago. Fantastic, fantastic artist. Um Maya Angelou can't talk about great women without a bit of Maya. Uh who she's a poet, if you don't know, who's and you know her passion I just feel really resonates under the surface of this podcast. I really do. That kind of powerful passion to speak out and, and protest. Cheryl Strayed. Oh, yes, author of Wild, her powerful voice circles in my mind on, on, on just days where I feel like I can't make it to the end. What about you? Which women are you celebrating this week? You can uh, you can let me know over on social media at SOTW with Rowan. Tag me in your female empowering stories. Right, let's get on with the show, before I end up finding something else to ramble on about. sabbaty a. It's another Sabbath episode. Let's talk Astara. I'm very ready to get into this one, because I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. Well done, me. Well done. I've got some thoughts. I'm not saying they're complete thoughts, or even cohesive. But I've got some thoughts on it. We are coming up to the Spring Equinox next week on Saturday the 20th at 9.37 GMT. Not GNT, GMT. Greenwich Mean Time. The Equinox is a time when we have equal day and equal night. I kind of find this weirdly mind-boggling. The idea that there is equal day and night in both the northern and southern hemispheres just don't do that to me, Earth. Uh, if that's not magic, then I, I honestly don't know what is. I really don't. I love the fact that there are so many monuments around the world specifically built just to mark the equinox. I think that's fantastic, don't you? It's so so intriguing that since the dawn of intelligent thinking, we have wanted to mark out some of this understanding, this passing of time, The 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 sifting out of our corporeal existence with something that feels intangible you know this the idea of passing of time we try to we want to make something to 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 make it tangible and it gives a way to record something so fleeting and passing and unsure and i love the idea that at some point someone noticed that the sun hit just right at a certain time and capitalized on all that I think it's amazing that there are these Mayan and Egyptian monuments that capture the sun at the right time to light up pyramids. Again, I just, I feel like that's true magic. It's harnessing the power of the sun. These things all probably acted as signifiers to people. Now is the time to, to plant. Or this is the time that winter was on its way. I love it. Really love it. One of the first things that I think of when I think equinox as well is, um, well, any, any of the sun festivals is Stonehenge in the UK, in, in England. For those of you who uh, who don't know what Stonehenge is, it's this, uh, it's this Neolithic monument built in, in around 3000 BC in Wiltshire, England in the south. And it was believed that it was, um, it made a full circle with an altar in the middle and all that jazz. Uh, and do you know what? People aren't hugely sure what it was used for exactly, perhaps to, to track the sun or, or the moon, a place to worship. What's nice is that in modern day times it has become this place to observe the equinoxes and solstices in modern day, uh, modern day England. Have I been uh, glad you asked I've I've driven past it on the way to Bristol which is which is less exciting than it sounds but you, you you can't actually go and visit it all year round because of how protected it is I think and I think they only really open it uh, for the solstices and equinoxes which which makes it even more badass I think you know but from the roadside it, it, it does just look like a bunch of rocks but I've seen it. Tick. <laughs> for for me personally, the the biggest workings that I like to do at this time of year is to reflect on balance. In my autumnal equinox episode, I go into a very detailed spell. Do you know what? Just reflecting on that, I don't think I I did a Maybon episode. Maybe I don't know. Did I? You tell me. Help. Um, but I, I, there's a spell in there on um, from the Llewellyn Sabbath book. And, do you know what? I think it may have even been my first episode. <gasps> How exciting. Either way, it's, yeah, it's from the Well in Sabbath book, and it's about restoring balance in your life. Really, really good spell. So, during this time, I spend a lot of time reflecting on what's pushing me off balance. What do I need to add in to gain balance? What needs to be taken away? And I think balance is often quite misunderstood. Sometimes it's interpreted as doing more of something for a a better outcome, like doing more running for better health, or more time to yourself in the evening reading a book. But for all of that to truly work, something needs to go. Something needs to give in order for that scale to be balanced. So what about this whole Ostara-ish thing, Rowan? Well, I'm getting there. Gee, first, I want to tell you about a goddess, and that goddess is Estra, like estrogen. She's what Bridget is to Imbolc, or what cheese is to bread. Whilst we're on the topic of cheese, honestly, all right, it wasn't me who brought it up this time. Blame Estra. I'm getting a real cheesy following over on Instagram. You witches are well into the cheese. I'm not even joking. I am ready to start my own cheese coffin. I want to meet up maybe once or twice a month, just to chat witchy shit and eat cheese. That's what I want to do. Cheyenne over from Ouija Boards Midnight Marks, another great podcast recommendation by the way, was joining me the other day on Instagram to kind of like just point it out basically. She's, she's already taken in the, in the kind of cheese cover, she's already taken the role of the high cheese stess, and I am down for being the high breast. Do you see what I did there? Breast, breast, that's pretty good. So if you are up for uh brie yourself, that's not like peeing yourself, that's like being yourself uh, and owning your own, uh, your cheese witch status with me over on Instagram live. Hit me up on social media at SOTW with Rowan. It will be, um, it be great. I get it. Great. Okay, those are 2 in cheese related puns, but um, because I'm a dad, I'm allowed to make those puns. You're welcome. Back to goddesses. So we have um, Eastra. and here's the tea. Here's the tea. You were wondering, weren't you? Where's the tea, Rowan? This is Season of the Witch. I need a cup of tea. We don't really know a great deal about her. In fact, we know next to nothing about her. She's like the girl that's someone, you know, she's in all your classes that you never speak to and suddenly she's a movie star. Hey, that's Easter. That's her. So this dude called Bede the Venerable, what a name, uh, was around in the 8th century and he wrote a ton of texts mostly focusing on the theology of different Christian celebrations like Easter and Lent. And do you know what? before we go any further, Bede, what happened to that name? How did that just casually die out of existence? You know full well though, if he, if he was in secondary school in the UK, in your high school, you know, called Bede nowadays in the 21st century, you're going to be called Anal bead. let's face it. That's what you can, that's why, that's why the name died out, isn't it? So anal beads aside, maybe wash them first, his writings are one of the first times we see the mention of Easter, stating that pagan Anglo-Saxons had a celebration in honor of this deity during the month of April. Where are the receipts though, bead? Where are the receipts? He was also mega obsessed with the idea of being able to calculate when the Christian celebration of Easter would be, which also I find super confusing to think why that would be so confusing. You know, if some dude rose from the dead on a Thursday, why is that shit up for debate? And more importantly, why are you using the moon to calculate it? Bead, you are witchy. You are witchy as funk calling you out now, Bede. You're a witch. You're a pagan. You're a pagan and you didn't know it. Actually, I tried looking up, why does Easter move each year? Oh, that was my Google search. Um, and the answer you get is, is the literal one, because it's based on the lunar dates and other non-Gregorian calendars. But still, I don't think that truly answers the question. Why is it changing so? Help me out. This always made me think, ha, ah, that must be one of those situations you know, like, like Brigid being sanctified and then setting a Christian festival on the date of Imbolg. But I'm not 100% sure on this one. I kind of think there is a bit of a, a sandwich going on and I'll come back to it. I'll come back to that sandwich. So before Bede wrote about Easter, there's very little, little to, well, there's no record basically. There is no record of her at all. There is there is some speculation that he may have just made her up. To what gain? I haven't got a clue. Remember, he's super Christian. Super Christian. For a long while, it's kind of believed that Bede had just kind of totes made up a deity until they found these votive inscriptions of the Matronae Austrohane in the late 50s. Yes, that is exactly how you pronounce it. It's not. I didn't even bother rechecking my pronunciation. I did so bad in Latin and Greek at college. Awful. So the Matronae, Matronae, the Matronae, Matrinare, are a group of females that are um, often depicted with, you know, weaving baskets and other springy items. And we, from this, from this, apparently, we start getting a connection with Easter. And I'm not seeing it or getting it, but okay. I'm just here with the facts today, my pagan friends just facts. As you may be able to tell, we were left with some very sketchy details that truly fresh out, fresh out? flesh out who this goddess is or whether she was actually even worshipped. Now, was she even worshipped? Um, now, just because it wasn't documented doesn't mean it didn't happen. Maybe she didn't have this big folkloric tradition and history that preceded her. So... So after Bede does a number on possibly creating a folkloric legend, several hundreds of years later, Jacob Grimm, a folklorist in the 19th century, actively aims to back this up and support it. He tries to link up some of the pagan celebrations in Germanic folklore and suggests a a dynamic? A dynamic goddess. There we go. <laughs> Germanic goddess um, of the name Ostara and there's no evidence really outside of that even suggests Ostara existed. There are definitely deities worshipped around the spring equinox, like Freya and Osiris, uh, going with that theme of rebirth, blah, blah blah, but there's no historic pantheon that exists for Ostara. When the Frigg did Ostara actually become a celebration? Again, this is kind of wiccan right here, you know, and and we need to bear that in mind, especially for my listeners out there just starting in the craft. Ostara is a festival named by Aidan Kelly in perhaps the 60s, like 1960s, not 60 AD. But again, does that even matter? Does it need to be ancient for it to be relevant? I'm not super sure it matters at all, really. You know, I feel like the spring equinox is nice in terms of talking about the celestial aspect of this time. But it doesn't really take into account the um the things that are happening on the earth. And I think that's what's nice about the word ostar. It kind of it names it, it titles it. I um I, I put a poll out on social media. Mm, people were polled. That sounds rather rude. And I must admit that, that there weren't hundreds of responses to it. I get it though. I get it. I think in the craft community it can be it can be really difficult sometimes to stand up and well, um, you know, not, not justify why you believe something, but more allow yourself to consider why it is you believe it in the first place. Uh, beyond just oh I do And some of the responses that were really, really great, the one that that resonated with how I feel with things at the moment, is the idea that at some point a deity will be, or is, created. I think that's really important to remember. Now, now don't get me wrong, does that mean the deity was thought up of absolute thin air? No. The spiritual energy that surrounds that particular nuanced element of the world was, was at some point given a name just like Bridget, the energy of birth and life, or Poseidon, a god who rules the seas. These energies and these forces are at some point given names. They're personified. And I think that's kind of neat, you know? I, I actually ended up having this conversation over on Instagram, and a really interesting point was made, that naming things give it power. And it's so, so true. They... They, they point out in folklore the power behind the name. You know, look at um, Rumpelstiltskin uh, and Meave. And that was one that was mentioned. You know, he goes around naming things in the Garden of Eden. There's even, you know, this myth behind witches' names, which must be kept secret only to the witch. Names have so much power. They really do. I remember as a mainstream class teacher, I would have these activities where I would, you know, for half an hour, try and learn all of the children's names. And I I bear in mind, you know, when I was working as a classroom teacher, I had class sizes of, you know, 33, you know, once 35. But knowing those names, they gave me power. I could single them out if they were making the wrong choice, or single them out if I was impressed with something I saw. Naming gives you a level of understanding over something or someone, and in some cases, it gives you power too. So at this point, you're probably still desperate to know, who is she that. Like I said, sort of, no one really knows at all, which is a little pants, isn't it? But, there is, there is a bit of a myth that surrounds her related to the hare. I use the word myth quite loosely in this story. Istra comes along on a, on this super cold snowy day, and she finds a bird looking all shriveled up, a wee bit dead, but it wasn't dead. Although well, I don't think it was dead. Uh, either way, being a benevolent goddess, she turns this bird into a hare in order to save its life, which I'm not 100% sure on the connection of why it needed to be a hare and not as something else or even why she didn't just heal it I guess that's not a thing is it could you imagine though if that is how medicine worked in order to heal some aspect of your body it needed to be like changed into something else I'm sorry sir but your arm yes it's gonna have to be transformed into an elephant's trunk so apparently Easter wasn't the best at this little trick and the hair just carried on laying eggs like a bird which I love even more I get this real childlike picture of Easter just like kind of going around dicking about with magic but not really knowing what she's doing. She's like, you know, healing a horse's neck and turning it into a giraffe and just generally causing funkery all around. That's not like the, the, the folklore. That's just what I picture. That's just what I imagine. This story was first published in The Bird's Gift by Eric A. Kimmel and didn't appear connected to Easter until Sarah ban Breathnach published it. Uh, I've... I've even read other tales elsewhere about the whole hare and the egg situation, that the hare wanted to give her a gift and gave her the last thing that was um, was in his pantry, an egg. So to reward it, the hare, she... Well, I don't know what she did. Probably turned him into a lion or some shit. I don't know. I can't remember that. So, um, so there we have it. Our dubious goddess, Ystra. kind of like her. What about this springtime deities? Um, uh, in Greece you have Dionysus and of course Persephone. I I kind of put Dionysus in the um the Beltane category personally, but mostly because I think of the um well, that's Roman Bacchanalia, Bacchus. But I um, you know, I'm not a historian, just a gay talking about witchy things. There's uh, there's Clytie, Sybil, uh, Aphrodite, uh, Eos. Uh, okay, that you they're all getting in on the springtime action. Outside of the Greek pantheon, you have Freya, Sergunos, again, more kind of Beltane, in my opinion, Dagda, and even Mabon. He's, you know, he's like getting on it and on it as well you know it's not it's it's not named after him but he likes a bit of springtime the thing that connects all of these deities together um this time of year is you know reawakening fertility light warmth i get that the earth is warming up again the bees are starting to buzz around Uh, new life is abound the world has been reborn again what about magical workings what am I supposed to be doing around this time? I've mentioned works of balance, um, but this is a, this is also a really great time to shake the crusties off. All the winter scabbiness. Let it go. Scrape, scrape, scrape. That's really gross. All those intentions you set earlier in the year. Do you remember them? Those New Year's resolutions you set whilst in your PJs on, on New Year? New Year, new me, all that bullshit. Yeah. We've actually got to start doing it now. Crap. I know. So spring into action. So I did that. a little pun. This is a good time to be working on fertility magic, which terrifies me. My mother-in-law told me that if you uh, if you can grow parsley from seeds in your garden, that means you will be able to have more children, which is such a horrible thing to say to me. I feel attacked. I have one and do not want another. I will cut that goddamn parsley out of my herb garden if she says anything as disgusting as that again. <laughs> I love my son to pieces. I love him to pieces. But he, um, he would not cope well with another sibling and neither would I. No, thank you. What else? Um, personal growth, perhaps sowing seeds with some intentions in them. Nurture those seeds, bless them with your plans and water them. You might also consider the purifying energies of rebirth too, in quite a literal and practical sense too. This is when I'm uh, I'm getting gardening tools out, cleaning the shed and the greenhouse, I'm putting my space ready for summer. You can do exactly the same in your magical workings, purify your home with a magical spring clean and consecrate your tools. Hey, even the tax year comes about this time, spring clean your finances. This is the bleakest thing I think I've ever said on the show. Spring, clean your finances. Jeez. Uh, You didn't come here for financial advice. Or maybe you did. And you're just waiting for it to kick in. Well, you're in the wrong place. I'm not going to give you financial advice. Now, this is quite a personal one, but I've, I've recently felt very called to do something from my past. That sounds very mysterious. It was a skill that I'd worked on for several years and then I entered the working world and sort of just left it all fall behind like it never existed I, I don't I don't really know where the call is coming from it's inside the house Rowan get out of the house sorry I had to do it um <laughs> but there, there is there is this really strong call and it's kind of it's annoying in a way because I'm aware that taking this back up again is going to be time consuming and I may not succeed so so I'm sort of wrestling with that one the minute the idea of giving birth to a new project or an idea, but not being fully sure of whether I will succeed with the outcome. Those of you who are who aren't new to the show know I'm a real big planner, but not a very good to see it througher. So the idea of doing something that I know is is quite outcome orientated is a little intimidating. <laughs> is there a deity of just like getting the fucking job done? You know, I <laughs> I need to start giving some offerings to them. For me, continuing to do this podcast is such, it's kind of a hooray moment for me because I know I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing, you know. I'm showing up, talking about magical stuff, and I'm posting about it, and it feels really good. It really does. You know, I, I'm not saying it's the show's going to go on forever, but um, but I'm turning out. We're chatting together. So um, what, other, what other shit can we be getting up to at this time of year? As kids... Uh, we used to do egg dyeing at home, which I loved. I tried doing it as an adult and, you, by the way, you can't just like whack an egg in a pan with some water, which I naively thought my mum did. You have to add vinegar in with it too. And once you've done this, you can then paint the eggs, maybe hang them up, create a wreath. Nice. Uh, symbols of new ideas and fertility. I like all that. I, I tried making a magical cascaron last year. Where you, uh, where you hollow out the egg, stuff it with some wishes. And I got as far as hollowing out the eggs, leaving them on the window ledge and then having a meltdown that we'd all gone into a national lockdown. I've always loved a bit of egg crafting. <laughs> Just gone from having a meltdown in lockdown to talking about egg crafting. Um, but I have, I've always loved a bit of egg crafting. Uh, it, was, it was this big thing in, in our primary school. Again, good old Mr. Matt Meekin coming in again on the podcast. He would be mortified knowing that he was being mentioned on the Pagan show. We we had this competition that ran every year where you would create something. And I know that's, that's kind of vague, like create something, but it was intentionally vague. Often it was like make a set out of a shoebox or a sculpture. It was a something, you made a something. But the something had to also feature a real egg in it. The, the something had to also feature a title, a name, and it had to have an eggy pun in it. And I used to put my true heart and soul into it every year, all in the hopes of of winning the competition. Even just, you know, placing first, placing first, that was my goal. <laughs> placing first. You know, go, you know, go big or go home. Uh, but no, even just placing third. I, I didn't mind, I just wanted to win or something. And I never did rigged. I remember the the best one being the executioner. It wasn't mine, but one of the ones that were The executioner, where the eggs, and eggs executioner, you got it? You got it? You got the pun? Where the egg's head was chopped off in a guillotine. A grade A egg pun. I remember him saying that, him and his dad had spent all the weekend on it, and it was obvious. The craftsmanship was beautiful. I made some really bad ones, some really shockingly shockingly bad ones. And these were all by my own hands. No adult help there. I feel like there needed to be a grading system that worked on that. So what ones did I have? I had um, Kylie Minyoke, brilliant. Uh, I did the eggs files one year, classic. Shelton John, inspired. Yoko Ono, no one really got that one. Um, And the list, well the list goes on. I competed for six years and I didn't once win, not even third place, not even third place. I guess my pun game wasn't up to scratch. Please, please tag me in your egg puns after this, like a good pun. Another eggy game was the egg and spoon race, which I always prided myself in being the sport I was most apt at. I wasn't very physical when I was, um, when I was young. So this, but this was one that I could do quite well. After adopting my son, my hands now shake with tiredness and mild anxiety. So I doubt I will have the same skills I did as a child. Also, you know, when I was having that conversation about like, oh, this is a skill that I'm trying to return back to in my life. This isn't the skill that I'm talking about. Can you imagine? <laughs> I've been called to return back to Egg and Racing. For those of you out there who who haven't got a clue, because I don't know if it's like a really specific British cultural thing, an egg and spoon race. You know, the the game is it's really it's really simple. You have a spoon and you place it on an egg, right, all the way around. You have an egg and you place the egg on the spoon to balance um, and you need to finish the line, like the line finish the line you don't do cocaine you need to to go across the finish line before everyone else if your egg drops and it breaks you're disqualified i don't i don't think my nerves could take that kind of high pressure environment anymore um <laughs> other egg games the um the egg toss uh now i, I, re, I re i i didn't like that one at all back then. I, I, I would hate it now. The point of the game is to is not break the egg again, but you need to throw the egg between yourself and someone else, but you get incrementally further and further away. And eventually someone is going to either just, you know, misjudge their catch and splatter in their hands or, or have an egg thrown at them. Again, my life is anxious enough without the threat of egg juice being squirted on me. Other shit I got up to last year, I learned to bake. I've been an avid cook all my life, but a kitchen witchery, uh, but I've, uh, I've always been a terrible baker. I just don't have the patience and attention to detail that is required for effective baking. So last year, I set out to nail it, and I totally did. I totally nailed it. It's so good too. I will not even, I wouldn't even downplay it. My cake was amazing. I'll try and find a picture on Insta and repost it at some point, because that was delish. What's next? Eggs, I guess, more eggs eggs, eggs, give me all the eggs. Give me all the chocolate eggs. Just when you think the onslaught of festive chocolate was over, think again. I remember asking in an assembly as a kid, you know, this is how hardcore I was even as a kid. I put my hand up, you know, right in the middle of the assembly of all the kids, um, drawing the story about the resurrection of Jesus in the middle of the assembly hall. I'm about eight years old and I asked the question, at what point though, Do they have the chocolate eggs? But I was, you know, I was genuinely ready to hear a passage in the Bible where they sat down munching on some Cadbury's, and it didn't happen. Cadbury's, by the way, for the non-English listeners, it's it's a brand of chocolate. Although I think Cadbury's has started like getting around the world now. Well done, Cadbury's. And I felt duped. I felt duped that it didn't happen. Rumor has it, and I love a good rumor, that eggs came from the Germanic settlers in Pennsylvania. They brought over their Easterish uh, ish hunts for actual eggs and this soon turned into eggs with hidden things in them and then bam confectionery companies com- comp- confectioners companies, confectionary companies they all just start finding a way to sell something don't they I'm not mad though I'm not mad I will buy those eggs and I'll eat them I will eat them hard. I think you could probably do something really nice with them, couldn't you? Um, You know, like, you could, you could make your own Easter eggs, where you put uh, wishes inside them, gift them to someone. I like that. That's nice. Now, thinking of, like, all this kind of commercialization, it's kind of quite interesting, isn't it? Because that is a theme now, because it's kind of come up in a few episodes. Samhain, Halloween, St. Valentine's Day, Hallmark cards, Easter hair, chocolate eggs, Hmm nice, all that seems to be happening in America, what are you doing to all these celebrations the US of A? If you, if you have an altar, you may be jazzing it up with some painted eggs, some pastel coloured ribbons, symbols of your new ideas and projects, that's something I have on mine, I have a symbol of um, one of my aims for the year, which is a map, map of the West Highland Way, uh, maybe, maybe give it a dust while you're at it, I'm not here to judge, I have a dusty old wand too that's not what I meant. You may do a tarot spread, you know, you might might look at uh, a card for where you are now with your goal, and what you need to do to achieve the goal. There we are. Right, I'm off to go hide next somewhere. And there we have it a chocolatey scented dip into Ostara. I hope it was everything that you wanted uh, and if it wasn't, don't worry. I've kept your receipt. You can return it, unlike beads. Where are the receipts, bead? Where are the receipts? <laughs> now, before we close the show, I have a review, which I'm all here for. And the review says, I like this, hope you won't take this the wrong way, but... Which is always a worry when someone starts something like that. But no, I like this. Rowan's voice and manner reminds me of the great Tim Curry, one of my all-time favourite actors. I was hooked instantly. Thank you, and please give us more. Ah, I love that. I take zero offence to someone thinking that I sound like Tim Curry. Thank you so much, Boodoo 243 How do you do I? See you've met my faithful podcast man. <laughs> well, if you are looking to continue the conversation, you can do that over at SODW with Rowan, over on Instagram and Facebook, or you can send me an email over on podcast at gmail.com. You've been listening to Season of the Witch with Rowan Oaken. Until next time, don't forget to stay witchy, bitchy, sassy, and classy. Welcome back to your bonus spell. Now, I have a spell which has come from Anne Marie Gallagher. Now, I've not even read this spell. Sorry about it, but I've just I've, I've opened it from a different book because I, I kind of I rely on the same books over and over again. But I, the, I was interested. I was interested. I was fascinated because um in here when they talk about the different uh, the different Sabbats. And they have kind of seasonal spells in here. They they don't call it Ostara. They um, they have it named after the goddess, which I thought was interesting. This is a doorpost spell to balance your physical and mental health, which I quite like. So the purpose of this spell is to aid balance in all areas of your life. I like that—a fix-all treat all. Nice um, background of the spell, alongside the fertility aspects of. Easter. The astronomical event of the spring equinox is also celebrated. At this point, when daylight and darkness are of equal length, which we learned about the show, we're about to spill over into the light side of the year, when light will prevail. Yay for light. This makes it, it doesn't say yay for light by the way, this makes it an especially fortuitous time to ensure a positive balance around and within us. Easter is therefore a good time to look to health and consider whether our current lifestyles are supportive of mental and physical balance. Oh, nice. That's a pretty good run-up, isn't it? So, things that you're going to need. Get a pen, start noting some things down. This is what you're going to need. A charcoal disc in a fireproof dish. Very important fireproof dish. Fireproof dish can be, like, it can be a pan. I've done that before. Wash that pan afterwards, though gosh, what was I cooking? I was cooking some eggs the next day after having a little charcoal dish burning in, um, in our pan, and it, it tasted like charcoal, so bear that in mind. Matches, or a lighter. Incense blended from equal parts of frankincense and myrrh. Oh, nice. Am I going to have to measure this out? One black pillar candle. I have beeswax candles, close enough. One white pillar candle. I've got that actually. Two teaspoons of almond oil in a saucer. I don't have almond oil. I have almonds and almond flour. Maybe I could make them. I have almond milk as well. (laughs) Don't think I can use this. We'll find out. Uh, One egg cup of salt in a dish. I can do that. I can do that one. Timing. Cast this spell at Easter. See pages twenty. cast this spell at Easter. So I'm guessing like the spring equinox, on the day of the spring equinox. As part of Easter celebrations and in a properly cast circle, work as follows. Light the charcoal, add the incense. Nice easy instructions, I like it. Light the back, light the black candle, saying, the pillar on my left is night. All things within it are held in potential. Oh, I can see why it probably needs to be a pillar candle now, because it kind of burns for a little bit longer. those beeswax candles just burn the frick down. But I reckon you could use like a little tea light. I don't think you have to use a pillar candle. We'll find out. We'll find out. Let's see. Like the white candle, I'm guessing this is the light, like can- the daylight candle, saying, the pillar on my right is light. All things within it are brought to fruition. Nice. Anoint your feet, knees, breast, mouth, and forehead with oil. Now that's very presumptuous. Would I call my chest my breast? Anne Marie Gallagher. I'm not feeling you now a little bit using the word breast in there, presuming my gender. Right. All right. I'm cross with her now. <laughs> just, I feel like no, I would never call my chest my breast. Or oh, no, across your breast. Yes. No, I would. Oh, like a breastplate. A breastplate. A man can wear a breastplate. Oh, I'm sorry, Anne Marie Gallagher. And you're going to say something as you're, as you're anointing all these pe- places: your your feet, your knees, your breast, or your chest, your mouth, your forehead, with with that almond oil. And what you're going to say is, "I make myself sacred to enter a sacred space." Nice. Then what you're going to do is you're going to throw the salt onto the ground between the candles. you're going to step onto the salt and you're going to say, I make myself pure to enter a pure place. And then you're going to recite the following. In the door, in the doorway of the year, between the gate of night and day, I have a word to leave, balance, and beg a word to take. Close your eyes and wait for a word to come to you. This will provide the key to attaining balance throughout the coming year. I really like that. Oh, I like that. Well done, Anne-Marie Gallagher. Snaps to you. There was actually more of the kind of like preamble that I missed, which was related to these candles. These candles are supposed to be this doorway that you're going to stand um walk into into this magical realm where you um w- that doesn't exist between darkness and light which i thought was like that's that's actually really really cool i really like that it's very like caroline walk into the light caroline like you get the reference that's there. Uh, that's poltergeist right there for you um excuse the voice and the accent so I really like that. So you, you're kind of stepping into that balanced space, and you're spending some time thinking. It's quite meditative as well. And I, I like the fact that it's just kind of like, you stand there until word comes to you. Which is, which is awful for me, because I am, um, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, I suffer with, a suffer I don't suffer with anything. Um, I don't suffer no fools. I I have this this thing of mind pops where these these words just pop pop into my head all of the time and so many times they're not even like half of them aren't even words that I know and I have to go and look them up in a dictionary. I Google them. I don't I don't even own a dictionary, so I'm gonna be stood there with God knows what words popping into my head, but. I'm going to give that one a go. You know, I really like that. So I think I'm going to do that one on the Spring Equinox as well this year when I'm doing all my other balancey works. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming and joining me again. It was nice. It was nice spending a bit more time together. I hope you uh, hope you enjoy this bonus spell. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. It's not here for you to, I'm not forcing you to do a spell. Do what you like. Let me know what you get up to on the Spring Equinox. You can do that over on social media at SOTW with Rowan or send me a good old classic email at podcast at gmail.com. And until then, don't forget to stay witchy, bitchy, sassy and classy. And I'll see you later.